Welcome back to The Boy from Splendora, Texas by Wallace Gibbs. Aunt Esther's Dress You boys must be hungry, Aunt Betty said as Virgil and I entered the kitchen from the utility room. I'm starving, I said as I bent down to give Aunt Betty a hug. Virgil did the same. Uncle B was seated next to Daddy at the kitchen table. Uncle B stood up and gave me and Virgil a hug. My, you boys are growing so fast. Pretty soon, you're going to be taller than I am. One day, I said, I'm going to be taller than you and Daddy. Uncle B, like Daddy, was about 5 feet 10 inches tall. I still had quite a ways to go in 1978 as I had just grown past five feet in the past several months. I was still one of the shorter boys in the seventh grade class. By far, Uncle B and Aunt Betty were my favorites from either Mama or Daddy's family. Uncle B was two years older than Daddy and it was evident that he was one of Daddy's favorite siblings. Uncle B worked for Rockwell International and sometimes would tell me and Virgil stories about things that went wrong if you didn't follow the rules. One time, he told us about this guy that ran a lathe for Rockwell in the machine shop. The guy had really long hair that grew past his shoulders. The rule was that all hair had to be kept under a hard hat. On this particular day, the guy came in with his hair in a ponytail that went down his back. No one noticed this until later in the morning when a blood-curdling scream pierced the air. Everyone stopped what they were doing and ran over to where the man worked. Laying on the ground was his scalp with his ponytail attached. Uncle B told us that the hippie had gotten distracted and quickly turned to get something when his ponytail was grabbed by the lathe, which snatched it right off his head. Uncle B told us that the man lived, but never had any hair after that. I brought you something that you would like, I think. What is it? Virgil and I asked in unison. It's right there on the couch next to Aunt Betty's purse. Virgil and I ran to the living room and immediately spied the brightly colored wrapped gift. Can we open it? Virgil asked. You bet, Uncle B replied as he watched Virgil rip off the wrapping. Virgil and I eyed the box that was revealed and read the side which stated, Ball Bearing Clock. You'll have to assemble it, Uncle B said. It makes a little noise as it keeps time, but you will get used to that. Thank you very much, Virgil and I said in unison. Can we assemble it now? Go ahead, Mama said from the kitchen. Aunt Charlotte, Aunt Esther, Aunt Joy Ruth should be here in about an hour, and we'll eat then. Virgil and I rushed to our bedroom, gently opened the box, and began assembling the clock. The way the clock kept time was that a rotating arm would pick up a ball bearing about the size of a marble and would drop it into a plastic track. The ball bearing would follow this plastic track and come to rest in a tray labeled 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. 
when the fifth ball was delivered, the tray would tilt and all five balls would roll, roll back into their original place while another ball was released and delivered to a different tray marked 5, 10, 15, 20, all the way up to 55. In five-minute increments, another ball would roll into place and mark the time. The tray held 11 shiny balls. When the 12th ball was delivered, the tray would tilt and all 12 balls would roll back into their original place and a larger ball bearing would be released to mark the hour. All that I can say is that it was a fantastic device. It took me and Virgil the better part of an hour to assemble the clock. We plugged it in to watch the first ball bearing drop and then excitedly ran back to the kitchen to get Uncle B to show him our progress. As we entered the living room on our way to get Uncle B, we noticed that Aunt Charlotte, Aunt Esther, and Aunt Joy Ruth had arrived along with Aunt Doris and Uncle Ray. Aunt Doris was my second favorite sibling from Daddy's side of the family. She would always come to our house on the weekend before our birthday to bring us one of her homemade cakes along with a gift that was usually a nice piece of clothing that she bought at Brits, the department store where she worked. Aunt Doris suffered from rheumatoid arthritis which caused her hands to be slightly gnarled. I had never seen her any other way so this was an accepted facet of her life in my eyes. Come over and give me a hug, you little monster, Aunt Doris said. I gladly went over for my hug and a generous amount of kisses. There was never any doubt in my mind that Uncle B, Aunt Betty, Uncle Ray, and Aunt Doris loved us. You could just tell that by the way that they grabbed you and hugged you. My, you sure have grown, she said as she released me. I'm taller than you now. I said, I can see that. You're going to grow up to be a fine young man. I ran over and hugged Uncle Ray and then Aunt Joy Ruth, Aunt Charlotte, and then finally Aunt Esther. Uncle B, I said, come see the clock. Virgil and I put it together and it's working perfectly. Uncle B got up from his chair and followed me and Virgil back to our room. It was now 4.30, according to the ball clock. Perfect timing, Uncle B exclaimed as he looked at his wristwatch. Thank you so much. We love it, I said enthusiastically. You're welcome. I hope that it brings you as much pleasure as mine brings to me. Wallace, Virgil, Mama yelled from the kitchen. Wash your hands and get ready to eat. Okay, I'll see you in a couple of minutes, Uncle B said as he left our room. Virgil and I washed our hands and headed to the extra table that Mama had set up in the living room to accommodate the Gibbs kids while the aunts and uncles ate at the regular table. Conversation ebbed and flowed throughout the meal with the occasional peals of laughter. Suddenly, Aunt Joy Ruth's voice became louder than all of the others. One of the funniest things that I remember was when Jean took care of that mean old rooster for Esther, Aunt Joy Ruth stated. I don't remember that, Aunt Charlotte stated. 
As you know, Aunt Joy Ruth began, Esther's job was to collect the eggs every day. A lot of the time, that old rooster that we had would sneak up on Esther and spur her in the leg. And Esther would scream and drop the egg basket and run out of the chicken yard. Mama told Jean that she wanted him to take care of that rooster so that he wouldn't bother Esther anymore. Don't kill it, Mama said. Just take care of it so that it will leave Esther alone. Well, the next day, Jean puts on Esther's dress and grabs the egg basket, picks up an old broomstick that we had laying around, and heads to the chicken yard. Jean opens the gate to the chicken yard and walks in and closes the gate behind him. As he walks towards the egg hutch, he begins to swish and sway, trying to look and act like Esther as much as possible. The rooster spies Jean and thinks he was Esther. He begins to make his way towards his victim. As the rooster gets near to Jean, he jumps up to spur him. But Jean was too quick, and with the stick he gave that rooster a hard thwack, sending him airborne. That rooster lay comatose for several minutes. By the time that Jean had collected the eggs and returned to the house, the rooster was able to get up and stumble back to his perch inside the chicken yard. You know, that rooster never bothered Esther again and always gave her a wide berth whenever she entered the chicken yard from then on. The funniest thing about it was watching Jean swish around in Esther's dress. He was such a natural. Roars of laughter filled the table where the adults sat. Virgil, Charlotte, Gail, Gina, and I looked at each other in amazement. This was a side of Daddy that we had never seen. None of us could imagine Daddy in a dress saving Aunt Esther from the terror of a rooster. It's amazing what you can learn at a family reunion if you will only listen. Thank you for joining me for Aunt Esther's Dress.